That's what we're looking forward to. It's, I mean, it's the greatest Royal Rumble. That's where we want to be the greatest Royal Tag Team Champions. You've got to be asking Finish. these teams that question. That's you know, what you've got to ask those teams. You've got to ask them if they're up to the challenge of taking on the bar. I do have one more question. What, what, what does the bar mean? That means that we don't just set the bar. We are the bar. Right, what does, what does that mean? It's... Please, Michael. I, but nonetheless, there's the side effect by Matt Hardy. Make myself clear. Come on, Coach, they've been it for a year, though. Here's the tag. Dash Wilder in. Tag made to Wyatt. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. I'm John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting. And Wei Ting and I have just learned that professional wrestling is absolute insanity in 2018. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, boy, is it. Uh, it really is a full-time job, you know? I don't, I don't know how anyone can cover this as a hobby. Um, they're just, uh, we're, John and I are looking at a recording schedule and it's just like, we're looking already a month ahead and it's, it's really <laughs> nonstop. Like we thought, we thought after WrestleMania would be like our downtime. It's no. clearly not the case. The next three to four weeks are just insanity. If you go and look at the WWE schedule, New Japan schedule, New Japan is the main culprit over the next couple of weeks because they're doing a major show for every night of the week it appears uh ring of honor we have coming up with like the war of the world shows uh ufc let's let's not even bring up ufc is in the midst of all this Mm -hmm. it's just crazy on top of just our regular shows that we're we're doing as well like you know in our free time watching old pay-per-views so there's a lot of stuff but hey woe is me oh no one wants to hear us complain no, of course not. I mean, uh, it, on the one hand, it's really great. It's great that there's... I mean, It could be awful. It could be like there's nothing to talk about. Uh, it could just be... On top of that, the wrestling could be bad, John. And some of it is, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, the mo- majority of it that we're, we're having to watch is all quality. So... It is all but, quality, and that's why I feel there's going to be different demands for what is considered quality in the next, you know, wave of great wrestling. We're getting great wrestling that it's it's like you're eating steak every night. Mm-hmm. That eventually it's like, well, I want to have something special with my steak. And I think that's why you want to see uh, differentiation. You want to see things that do stand out and are not just part of the pattern. And it's really spoiled to say it, but great wrestling is kind of just becoming pattern. So you have to be doing above and beyond great to stand out. Or you have such compelling stories that are going to grip their audience, or present something just completely out of left field. And I think we saw all of that last weekend in, where were we? New Orleans. You haven't seen this casket match yet, John. It's going to be, it's going to change your life. Dude, they've changed it back again. Oh, that's all part of this build. It's, it's ground, groundbreaking how they're. Yeah, apparently the burial is this match, which I have negative interest in now. It's so weird. Dude, let's update the people who, for people who don't know. The Undertaker and Rusev were the announced match. Then the next day, they announced that Rusev's out, Chris Jericho is in. And on Monday, they announced the original match between The Undertaker and Rusev 
is back on. So I fully expect that this is going to end up with um, The Undertaker not even in this match. And it will be <laughs> Kane taking on Big Show in a coffin match as opposed to a casket match. Somehow, yeah. Uh, bizarre. Completely bizarre. Do you also realize how long that show is going to be? Have they announced how long it'll be? Dude, they're doing seven title matches. Then they're doing, on top of that, this casket match, plus John Cena versus Triple H. And if that's not enough, a 50-man Royal Rumble. Which, do the math in your head, even if they shave off intervals to be a minute. Like, you're looking at an hour-long match minimum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is going to be an incredibly long show. This is going to be way longer than three hours. I think it's going to be way longer than four hours. So yeah. goodbye, goodbye Friday, April 27th. Oh, I wanted to watch the Avengers that day. Oh, dude, uh, you're going to be watching nothing but WWE men competing. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, I, you know, I still have a big curiosity over that show, just the way it's, it'll look. Uh, just the, you know, maybe the, the difference in, in, in the audience reactions. So I think that'll keep me interested, but, um, you know, we shall see, we shall see. That's a whole, you know, almost two weeks away and, uh, who knows how I'll feel by that point, but what else is coming up this week, John? So this week we've got our regular slate of shows Tuesday night. Way and I are back with rewind to SmackDown. We'll go through part two of the superstar shakeup mm -hmm. like that French, uh, Wednesday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience, uh, Martin, I found out afterwards, this guy is, I think he's still somewhere in New Orleans. I don't know. He still hasn't made it home. So He's, I, he's in New Orleans, and he's actually on, on his way to California, I believe, for a, for a vacation. Oh, I wonder if he's going to PWG this weekend. I think he actually is. It's the Young Bucks' last time at the American Legion Post this wow. Friday night. Yes. Um so anyway, Martin is uh, is MIA, so it will be Benno and Ollie on the show. Mm -hmm. And they, for those out there that have not heard this show, these guys are great. Like, I am fully mm -hmm. patting ourselves on the back that we have them here as part of the post-wrestling family. These guys just know this UK scene inside and out. Oh. I listen every other week to these guys. They actually know. Th their knowledge is incredible. Oh, they actually know, like, beyond the UK scene. They know about everything. So, Oh, I know. We, we don't uh, just shortchange that they just chat about the UK scene. But, man, they follow all the shows. Mm -hmm. They go to so many shows as well. It's so great to get kind of their live perspective as well. Yeah, it's because I, I listened to their show that, like, I think I was so much more invested in seeing a lot of the people that I did end up seeing um, over WrestleMania weekend because... Uh, so many of these guys like Walter, they already spend a lot of time talking about. So if you guys want the jump, the British wrestling experience. Then on Thursday, we've got Up Next, which uh, who will be on Up Next this week? Oh, you shall find out. But we know that. Oh, it's a mystery. We know Braden Harrington will be there. And uh, All right. you know, uh, maybe we'll have a, ourselves a bit of an Up Next shakeup. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. I, I'm sure it'll be more dramatic than some of the reveals on Monday night. So that is coming up on Thursday. Friday, we are going to be reviewing 
the Andre the Giant documentary that just aired on HBO. That is going to be a, an exclusive for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So you can sign up to ensure you get that show on Friday. And we will be joined by one of the field producers on the piece, Pat Laprod, our good pal. He was uh, involved in the documentary. He's interviewed on the documentary, and he's going to be joining us on Friday to chat that documentary. And he's also writing his next book about Andre as well. And I feel this last weekend way, I have read so much about Andre the Giant. I have, I, I'm really looking forward to this show. Oh, so you haven't watched it yet, though? Oh, I've watched the documentary, oh, yes, you have. but I, I've just been doing a lot of supplemental reading about the man. So that's coming up on Friday. Is that it? Are we just taking the weekend off? Hell no. We've got Sunday. Impact Wrestling is back. They have a pay-per-view. Redemption. And it will be myself and Nate Milton reviewing that show. Nate wanted the hot tag to come in and review this show. So a very good lineup, actually, if you look at it. A lot of Lucha Underground infusion on this particular pay-per-view, which I think has been a very wise hookup for Impact Wrestling because you take out the... Lucha Underground affiliation, I don't think they do as well at WrestleCon, and I don't think this pay-per-view would look as attractive. I don't know what their main event would have been without this uh, relationship, but that's Austin Aries, Pentagon Jr., and Phoenix in the main event, and Nate and I will have a review uh, later in the evening on Sunday after Redemption. So that's all what's coming up, postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com, where you can sign up to get the Andre review and all our other tremendous bonus shows that are up there mm -hmm. did i miss anything i think you got almost everything for the next week at least gonna try and sneak in a ufc card on saturday night from atlantic city with about a hundred thousand fights that are scheduled they had a 14 fight card on saturday 14 fights way 14 fights i mean i guess that's the makeup for the last weeks uh i guess so yeah they they only had a paltry what nine the week before mm -hmm. so if you tuned in on Saturday, fights began at 3.30 Eastern and concluded at about 10.30. So WrestleMania doesn't really seem that long after you watch a 14-fight card. Uh, any well, highlights? Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier had the best fight of the year. So uh, it was a very good card. It was just a, a lot of fights. But um, yeah, I, I would say go out of your way to see Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, who... With all due respect to Kenny Omega, the best bout machine has turned out to be Justin Gaethje. Three fights in the UFC, and they were all... I mean, you had two fight of the year contenders last year, and now he's the, in the front runner for 2018 as well. Do you, do you think star ratings could ever work with MMA? No, I don't think so. Um, well, the I analysis of MMA is mainly, you know, uh, less so, I would say, uh, from... Like, it's more about, like, you know, oh, how, how well this person did. Rather than, you know, an entertainment aspect. You know what I mean? Like, the best fights are often ones that are considered back and forth uh, bouts. But, I mean, that's never really the goal, I would say, of most fighters. The goal of most fighters is to finish your opponent as fast as possible. Uh, so, to, to, to actually attain a quote-unquote high star rating for a fighter would have to suggest that they're not necessarily the best fighter. Yeah, and I think it's also contradictory to what their their objective is very different mm -hmm. from uh, a pro wrestler's, which is to go out there and it is strictly for the audience. When you are watching a fight, that fight that the fighter is involved in is for himself. His If he has a great crowd-pleasing fight, that's tremendous. That's great. But it's not 
his sole focus. Right. Maybe the promotion values that highly, but it's not you're not going out there for a performance. Mm-hmm. That is not the goal of your objective that night. So I just I mean people could rate fights if they want. I I don't even get into rating wrestling matches, so I hardly look at fights in that same way. But maybe you could start a a system for MMA. Um uh no, I'll leave that to to other people, I think. Let's enough of this, John. Let's talk about what everybody wants us to talk about. John Cena and Nikki Bella. The biggest news to rock the wrestling world over the past 24 hours. Can I just say how much I hate this story? Oh, I could tell like when you posted it, I'm sure you were so like you were gritting your teeth the entire <laughs> time, I bet. You know me way too well. Oh my god. Yeah. But I but there was absolutely no like listen. I I've heard plenty of stories of wrestlers' private lives and relationships. And it's like to me it's like I do not care about this stuff. I don't mm. care. But this is one that obviously it is such a public relationship. It's a major focus of one of their own television shows. This was a giant part of WrestleMania last year. Like this, and they disclosed this news themselves. Like there was absolutely uh no way you could avoid this story. And the traffic we got on this story was anyway, it was kind of depressing actually to see how many people were or clicked on this. Mm. But uh let me let me throw this one at you, okay? And I have no reason to believe that like this is a legitimate story, but uh People magazine added that they were supposed to get married on May the 5th in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So when people are questioning, oh, is this legitimate or not? I think in one sense, whether this is uh legitimate or not, it's going to be covered on Total Bellas. This is obviously going to be a massive part of Total Bellas. Oh yeah. And the fact that it is John has gotten cold feet, can you see him getting uh, warmer feet within the next few weeks and we get the big season finale where they end up getting married? Absolutely. I think you absolutely have to be skeptical of this. I think it's only natural. But I mean, whether or not that, you know, if if you're suggesting that this whole thing is pre-planned and that, you know, the cold feet is just a part of the script. I, I, mean, I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think, think it is either. I mean, I, I again, I can't say for sure. Of course, this is pro wrestling and reality TV we're talking about. Like, the combination of the two, how could you not expect something to be, you know, fake? But in this case, I mean, I think we see it all the time in real life, you know, especially with somebody, the personality of a John Cena, who for years has talked about not wanting to be married. And uh, I feel like something like this... Uh, I could totally accept as a real life occurrence of him getting cold feet or perhaps Nikki uh, saying that, hey, you don't look like you really want to do this, so let's call it off. Uh, Can that change in the future? I mean, couples get back together all the time, you know, so uh, I would say anything's possible. Has this heightened your interest in total Bellas? Oh, 100%. I think it's heightened everybody's interest. Well. I think they're going to have like so much attention now on this show as a result. Well, like this is yeah. this is really big news in the entertainment world. I know people love this shit, uh, but I mean at the same time it's like it is strange that like we're we're talking about this even on a on like a news show uh, talking about the private lives of somebody. 
Um, but again, you know, like you can argue that this is what they signed up for. They made this basically the storyline of their relationship is like a, one of the main storylines of their reality show. It's one of the main storylines of their wrestling programming. So um, I almost feel like it's a duty that we speculate on whether or not they'll get back together. Um, it's just odd. All right, we're moving on now. Uh, anything else? Uh, That's about in the it. News? That's about it. I mean, I I do feel bad you know, for Nikki, because if you've been on this journey, like she, this was all she's wanted. She, you know, you, you kind of go through, like you, you and I watched that season finale of the total, total divas where the big finale is Brie surprising Nikki with a surprise, um, gown, wedding gown, uh, viewing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to know that like, uh, anybody who's like, you planned a wedding, John, you know, like so much goes into that and to have it all kind of, you know, uh, blow up at the last second, that's, that's kind of tough. And so, you know, I don't think anybody knew that they were getting married so soon until this was reported today. Like it was just this, whenever it was brought up, it was, it just seemed like they were always putting this, this off because they were always asked in these interviews when they're getting married. And it, like, it obviously had to have been the culmination of this current season, which I assume they're filming right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it hmm. like this could completely throw the show into chaos, or it just it's total train Dude, wreck, which is probably what they covet. It's the best thing for the show. I mean, if they got married, happy ending. Who cares? But now this is drama. I think it's exactly what you want for reality TV. Well, there you go. That's the that's a big story in wrestling. John Cena and Nikki Bella. Uh, are you ready to get into Raw? Let's do it. Okay. Monday night, we had the Superstar Shakeup from Hartford, Connecticut at the XL Center. Kurt Angle came out to start the show, and he promised new faces and big surprises. Big surprises yes. tonight. Yes. And what was the first big surprise? Sunil Singh is on Raw. He walked out, and then he introduced the newest member of Raw. Sunil Singh, by the way, doesn't even get listed by the WWE on the list of additions to Raw. Like, he's not even a person to them. Yeah. The man's wrestled. Yeah. The man has a roster spot. He is being yeah, paid, and he's not even considered an addition to the, to the roster. He's more of a manager, though, isn't he, at this point? Well, I, I would love to know. Like, the whole point of this superstar shakeup like they really hit the fact that tag teams could be broken up you don't know who's gonna go where it seemed like these are all package deals not all of them the riot squad well i guess it's selective uh packaging mm -hmm. so we don't know their contracts that's true i guess maybe maybe they have a, a relationship like you know brock lesnar and paul Heyman. they're they're a package deal and maybe that's what sunil singh and jinder had so Sunil introduces Jinder Mahal, who comes out with the United States title. Mahal runs down Angle uh, and says that he has now secured Raw's position as the A-show by acquiring him, but then complains about being brought here in an SUV. He only travels in limos with a motorcade, and he's better than anyone on SmackDown or Raw. He wants the same perks as Brock Lesnar. Kurt asks him to email him his list of demands. So Sunil asks, what is your email address? He says it is Kurt 
dot angle at no frickin way dot com. It's <laughs> funny. Maybe that'll be a t-shirt. I'm, I, I'm, I guarantee you there are people trying to type that email address in right now. Angle calls on anyone in the back who wants to face Jinder Mahal. He's giving a free title shot to anybody that's closest to the entrance that can come out. And Jeff Hardy comes out to challenge for the title. Match begins. Hardy hits a flying clothesline off the apron. And then Mahal is in control as they continue. This is when it dawned on me that we are going to get two to three segment Jinder Mahal matches on Raw. Jinder clocks him with this right hand on the apron. It's a WWE production technique that when a guy gets actually hit, they'll do a a slow motion replay. There were no less than three replays of Jinder Mahal just nailing this guy during this match. Mm. Did not seem like a fun night to beat Jeff Hardy. Mahal was elbowed off the turnbuckle. Hardy hit the whisper in the wind. Coach asks, who does that hurt more? Jinder or Jeff? This was one of many, many stupid questions and observations brought about by Jonathan Coachman on tonight's show. He was unbearable on this broadcast. Well, I find he he usually is. Um, I and I think it's it's mainly because he he just looks for things to say, um, and oftentimes the things he says have nothing to do with the aim of the match itself. This was, you know, Jeff Hardy basically cutting off uh, Jinder's heat. And here's Coach with the observation of, oh, I wonder who, I wonder if he's hurt himself with that move. Meanwhile, Cole just, like, senses that this guy has no idea what's going on and basically just cuts him off and says, well, uh, I wonder if Jeff Hardy can gain some momentum coming off of that. So... I guess he's just the guy who kind of has to look for his place right now and is trying maybe a little too hard. I don't know what this is, but this these three were just the worst tonight. I hated the commentary on this show. Yeah, They're very antagonistic against one another, you know? They're all trying to either point out each other's mistakes or try to seem smarter than the other person. They make fun of each other. Coachman is just playing like the idiot now that like doesn't even follow the product. I don't think he's and, playing, dude. I well, think that's who he actually is. That's the role he has. And if that's the case, then you should have just stuck with Booker because he was way more entertaining at being clueless. And then you had Michael Cole, who will just uh with all the hardy stuff with um with Matt where he he's gotta like keep playing this joke that he doesn't understand any of the Matt Hardy stuff. It's just so aggravating on this show. I was very close to just putting on music. Sunil got dropped, kicked off the apron, and Graves doesn't think Jeff Hardy's going to win tonight. This is what I wrote, confirming that he will uh, at this point midway through the match. There's a flying knee to Hardy. The Coloss gets blocked, and then Mahal kicks Jeff in the face, which we got a replay of. This looked wonderful. And then he hits a twist of fate out of nowhere. Jeff hits the swanton, and wouldn't you believe it, Corey Graves was wrong. Jeff Hardy pins Jinder Mahal and wins the United States title. Do you know what this means, Way? Grand Slam champ. Grand Slam. Going, going into the bleachers. Jeff Hardy, your Grand Slam champion. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Jeff's won almost every title that they have. He won the Cruiserweight title. Yeah. Uh, or I guess light heavyweight. Light, light heavyweight. But he's won like, I mean, I think he's won, he's won the Hardcore Championship. He's won the Euro IC 
God, you're right. He's, He's won, won everything. everything. So, Tool Five Live awaits. Yeah, and I could see him. I think it's a almost positive he's going to be going to SmackDown with this title. You think so? Interesting. That's a good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Rather than Rollins going, I think that Rollins is going to stay on Monday. Hmm. I see Jeff going to Tuesday um, with the U.S. title. That would be my assumption. Um, so what so kind anyway, of what kind of a trade would that be? It's not a trade. You just you're picking people and putting them on another show. Uh, that's oh, it. okay. I guess. So so let's say if you're Paige, like, so what exactly are you negotiating if you're Paige and Kurt Angle? They didn't explain that. Yeah. Just people show up. So like, I hate this format. I think it's such a lazy format. There's no rhyme or reason why these people are here. I don't even like the nature where they just walk out and it's just simply yeah. no drama behind it. But there are people like The Miz that are already going to SmackDown. So the idea is that they already, Kurt Angle probably already knows who's going to SmackDown. There, there was no structure to this. If you have questions, they do not have answers. Okay. And this is the show that it drove me nuts because we had that whole month. Remember when SmackDown and Raw were in a blood war going into Survivor Series? Yeah. These men were willing to kill each other and get arrested if need be to assault the others. Mm-hmm. And did anyone throw up a fuss that they were being sent to the enemy on this show? No. No one cared. It's just the same thing. It's like, oh, we're going to another show now. That's why I, I never bought into that feud. Oh, uh, like, that's... at least they never gave me a reason to, you know? They weren't fighting for their jobs. They weren't fighting for more money or anything like that. Um, anyway, Jeff Hardy versus Jinder Mahal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it actually was a, a, a decent little match above the usual Jinder Mahal standard. Very hot crowd, too, right here. How much of this do you think was planned before WrestleMania? Oh, probably... Minimal, if any. Mm. Like the idea for Jinder Mahal to win out of WrestleMania, especially, you know, when they could have gone with a guy like Rusev, instead uh, only for Jinder to lose it to Jeff Hardy here. But Jinder also challenged him for to another match. I would imagine they knew they were switching Jinder when they set up Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton. Like, I feel in hindsight, that was just a way to just anger people that they were going to tease this match happening. Oh, yeah. What's going on there? Like it probably isn't happening. He's lost the title and he's on another show. Okay, because Jinder here cha- wanted a rematch at the Greatest Royal Rumble, didn't he? Yeah, they're going to do Mahal and Jeff Hardy at the Greatest Royal Rumble. So theoretically, Mahal could win it back and then you could send the IC champion to SmackDown. But I just think it's a better fit with Jeff Hardy. And if Jeff's not going to be with Matt, he should be on another show. SmackDown could use it. He's so down the depth chart on Raw that he would be, to me, a spark on SmackDown and would be better served there mm, than I putting agree. Seth Rollins uh, over there. I mean, for Christ's sake, they printed out the T-shirts, as Coachman noted, for Monday Night Rollins. Mm-hmm. Can't just scrap that. Seth down. No? Oh, man. When you say it like that. Um, they aired a promo for something else to wrestle with. And it's going to be dropping on the WWE Network on demand this Wednesday. And this promo is completely built around Bruce Pritchard. But I really feel if this show does catch on, I think like you would you would have no idea what kind of the, the format of the show is. I feel like it's mainly for people who already know what the show is. You know? Um, and I think there are a lot of people who know what that show is, judging by uh, a lot of the feedback to our uh, roundtable show. Well, not the people so. who cut this promo. 
It was, it's a one-man show. It's mm-hmm. Bruce talking into a mic, talking about stories he's not allowed to say. Right. Yeah. I mean, the show is called Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Well, uh, then we had the crowd reactions coming back from break to Jeff Hardy's win. There was one kid jumping up for joy at Jeff Hardy becoming a Grand Slam champion. Then Jinder and Sunil are interviewed by Renee. And Renee's setup was, obviously, this is not how you want it to start out on Raw. Mahal didn't get a chance to prepare for this match. He's invoking his rematch clause. So, as I said, don't lose a title on SmackDown. Lose it on Raw. You get your automatic rematch. Because Randy Mm -hmm. Orton did not get his rematch last week. He had to win a match and ended up losing it. Yeah, Or actually, he won. He won that, that match. I guess you're right. So it's Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Then No Way Jose's music just started playing over his promo. He came dancing through backstage and he took Renee away. And then we never saw this guy again. Well, I think over the, in the course of one week, I think we have a good sense of where No Way Jose is going to be placed uh, on this roster. Nowhere, Jose. <laughs> he will be the guy who does the occasional cameo. And, uh, you know, but again, prove me wrong, because I thought the Drifter was going to be that guy. But we see the Drifter every single week. Um, and, you know, in many ways, the Drifter is still kind of that guy. He's not, necessar- he's not necessar- uh, necessarily a guy who's being placed in main events or necessarily being taken that seriously. Uh, but he is, uh, he does have a stronger presence. Will No Way Jose have the same? We shall see. Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Uh, there were all these hugger section signs that they had handed out in Hartford. Bailey slid through the ropes into a hurricane Rana. They went through a commercial break. Bailey hit this inverted DDT as they spun off the turnbuckle. Michael Cole was now identifying Sasha's double knees as the Meteora. So I'm guessing Michael Cole just watched some Shima tapes. Uh, that or maybe like he's been watching uh, NXT. Uh Highly unlikely. They brawled. <laughs> you don't. You don't think he watches NXT? He's probably producing, don't you think? Could you? Could you imagine being Michael Cole, and you get home, and your decision is to sit back and watch NXT? Do you know how much this guy do we, do we, must have to deprogram himself no. when he gets home from calling all this? Do stuff? we? Do we know that he's not even producing NXT? Because we know he like. I know he was producing uh, Moral on SmackDown. Yeah, I. He works with the broadcasters, like, and that includes NXT. He's kind of like the senior guy, but I don't know if he's directly uh, producing. Like, I don't know if he's down there at full sale for the tapings. Right. For his sake, I hope he's not doing that that gig. Um, they brawled. It lifted the audience up for a bit. Uh, Crucifix by Bailey is countered into the bank statement, and it's a tight shot. So you knew something was happening, and the riot squad ran in attacking Sasha, leaving Bailey for dead. This included Sarah Logan doing a pop-up headbutt. Yeah. I would, not, I would not advise if you were in a street fight to try this. And it ended with a riot kick to Bailey. So the riot squad is now on Raw. Yes, and uh, this Bailey-Sasha Banks match that, uh, that has been several months in the making, I think uh, is still yet to deliver. Um, and yeah, this wasn't meant to. Uh, this is, I guess, another continuation. And I suppose now they're going to team up against the Riot Squad before they inevitably break up again, Bailey and Sasha. So uh, I wonder how much more life they can 
get out of this Bailey versus Sasha feud. The match itself, though, I thought it was a little sloppy. You know, for whatever reason, I feel like Bailey and Sasha haven't been able to reach the level of their NXT matches or even come close, I would say. So, um, you know, not that this was really given a chance, but it was hardly amazing prior to the interruption. So, man, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how, how much further they can drag it out. You don't see either woman being moved to SmackDown, do you? The feud's not over. The feud's not done. They haven't blown it off. Uh, the the locker room brawl was kind of it for me. Oh my god! Well, I mean that was just really the start, and I would say this is hardly a culmination either. They're like they're already going to be coming together to to fight off a common enemy after that attack. That was a very ill advised brawl they did in the locker room. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know either. I mean, we'll see what the, I, I would say. Like all the way up until WrestleMania, the the Andre Battle Royal, I feel like they've they've been on course and you know building up to. Uh, you know, the the eventual match on a big show. Uh, this wasn't it. Uh, obviously, it won't be at the Greatest Royal Rumble where, where they'll have their big blow-off. Um, I wonder when it will be and how long they can actually drag it out. But with the Riot Squad being there now, I can see them, you know, prolonging this for another month before they break them up again. Is there any, in terms of the women's division, because I could have, I saw like a lot of potential moves, but in terms of SmackDown women moving to Raw, were you surprised? About anyone that didn't come over. Um, yeah, let me think about that. Because uh, I think Becky, somebody like her, was yep. kind of ripe for, you know, being plucked out of there. Somebody even like a Naomi, like I would say you're more upper tier uh, uh, females on that roster. I mean, the Riot Squad and Natalia, no offense, but it's just like none of these guys even had anything going on at WrestleMania. You know, heading into WrestleMania. Not, not to say Becky or Naomi did, but... Uh, I would, they're kind of non-factors to me, you know, Riot Squad moving doesn't really mean that much. That's what you could use to describe, God, you could almost say uh, like 98%, if not 100 of the the moves were just so, Mm -hmm. to me, tonight's show was just an exclamation point on how not over this brand split is, that you Mm -hmm. just don't care who's on whatever show. I think outside of your main main event there's probably six guys in the company and mm-hmm. that you would really react big to and the majority of them there's no chance they're moving anyway i, I maybe mm, all of them not necessarily like, like uh, brock's not going to smackdown true uh roman's not going to smackdown braun's not going to smackdown okay well i'm thinking more guys like an aj or a shinsuke nakamura or finn balor who i think if they moved brands it I, would be I, a big deal. I don't know how much finn would really matter to a lot of people like it, the thing was, it was everyone that showed up on this show by the end of their segment just felt already acclimated. Mm-hmm. Like the freshness was already gone. Yeah. Forget the guys that showed up a week ago. Like Bobby Lashley tonight felt as though, you know, here's just, you know. He also w- wasn't really booked to feel special, you know, Bobby being in that match. No, but neither was Bobby Roode. Uh, it's like by the end of that match, it was right. just what, what has been gained here? You're on a different night of the week. I think so. I think much of this, the reaction, because I share the exact same reaction that you had to the end of the show. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but I think a lot of it comes down to you know your post WrestleMania blues, where uh, WrestleMania and the month leading to WrestleMania is all focused on your major attractions that only appear for WrestleMania. When you rely on a whole show on guys like that, you relegate the rest of your 
uh, roster to the Andre Battle Royal or the opening matches, and that's who we had to look forward to on this show. Is Bobby Roode, the guy who was, you know, uh, near the bottom of the card at WrestleMania, trying to end the show. We had an insert promo from Rhino and Heath Slater. This was an insert promo with text. Yes. Rough and tough. Enough. First impression. Second chance. We've seen that they've largely like gotten away from the selfie videos. You know, this was like a professionally lit background uh, with, you know, professionally shot cameras. Yet they still decide to jazz it up with the shitty looking words on, on the screen. Uh, I wonder why. It adds nothing. Like you're trying to mix two different styles together. You're trying to mix YouTube with like, I don't know, uh, 2020. Like, and it just doesn't work. Coach says Rhino rarely says anything that is worth listening to, which was quite the statement coming from Coachman tonight. Slater and Rhino took on the authors of pain. Michael Cole noted that Paul Ellering was dumped last week by the authors. Graves brings up Razar's history fighting for Bellator. Might have been a first Bellator reference in raw history. ECW champ for Rhino. He was tagged in. Uh, There was a belly to belly to Razar. Did he mention that about uh, Bobby Lashley? He said that Bobby Lashley has fought in MMA, but didn't specify Bellator. Razar, who had one fight in Bellator, uh, did get a promotional mention. Does this mean uh, Bobby Lashley is done with Bellator? Yes. He's just doing WWE. It was funny that um, in the case of both uh, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, they both said that they have traveled the world. Since they were last here. And that's like, that's the new, um, I guess that we got the one and only TNA reference last week. And that, that's it. Traveled the world. Yeah. Rude was called a journeyman before he came here. Journeyman. So Slater gets tossed to the floor. Last chapter to Rhino. 236. The authors win. I'm very high on the authors of pain. I think these guys are going to be great. I, oh, yeah. I was, I was really hoping the Usos were going to show up on Raw. Wouldn't that have been great? Oh, this tag division still needs another team inserted. I think the Usos and Authors of Pain would just be tremendous. Usos is baby faces and the Authors of Pain. Um, The Authors need opponents. And to me, Sheamus and Cesaro are just, like, they're they're fine. But to me, they're just kind of a played out act to me as a tag team. That you need some fresh teams. And uh, that was maybe my... Surprise was that this raw tag division got nothing on this show. I wouldn't say so. I think you're you're looking at you know Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy as as a developing team. Um, it looks like Dolphin, uh, what, what's his name, um, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, yes, they might be, you know, teaming up as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you. I think the AOP are great. I think they know if there's something they know how to book is they know how to book their monsters. Uh, we've seen what they've done with the Bludgeon Brothers. We've seen what they've done with Bron- Braun Strowman. I think you're going to see the Authors of Pain get a similar push. Um, I guess the only question is, you know, uh, who's going to be doing the talking with the group? Um, will they be doing it themselves? Because, yeah, that's what it looks like. I wondered if they would give them a different manager, but maybe Vince doesn't like that. Doesn't like managers and wants these guys to talk on their own. Maybe they'll get text on the screen. Oh, we can only hope. We know. We know they will get that for sure. Yes. The authors of pain may not be the writers of promos. 
Then they went to break, teasing on Miz TV, the next SmackDown talent will be revealed. Uh, they did this throughout the show. I thought these were kind of good hooks to go to break with. I do feel that this show, while to me it was not a very exciting show with the what should be uh, a pretty exciting show with the new names coming, mm-hmm. I do think it will do a, a pretty good number because oh, yeah. I, I think that generally people will be hooked to just keep seeing who was going to be showing up. Mm-hmm. So the Miztourage is in the ring. Miz has two guests to welcome out, and out come Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Michael Cole, Michael Cole immediately calls out how weird this is because they fought for the final spot on Raw last week, and, and this week we've created uh, like 19 new spots, and they all have a group hug. They're jumping up and down. Cole says Owens and Zayn don't even work for the company, so they can't be signed by Raw. And then Coach has to argue. Uh, saying, well, they're free agents. So what we've learned is you have to sign a WWE contract first before you can be assigned to a brand. Dude, don't ask me, dude. That's like that's a conversation that's up there with the authority structure of the WWE. It's just whatever's convenient for them. Miz says that the five of them are bigger than the New World Order. They have more talent than the 92 Dream Team and are bigger than the Avengers. They don't have to answer to Shane McMahon or Paige, and they're putting the locker room on notice. So Kurt comes out and says Owens and Zayn had a chance last week. They both lost, and Owens said plans have changed. And an email was just sent to him. Zayn has the letter printed out with his reading glasses on. He reads that Angle was emotional in how he handled Owens and Zayn last week, and They have been forced to re-examine their situation. Angle's been overruled and raw contracts have been issued to Owens and Zayn. Signed, Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon. Same Stephanie McMahon whose father, Kevin Owens, violently headbutted. The The same Stephanie McMahon that came out at the end of that angle and stared down Kevin Owens. And the same Stephanie McMahon whose brother, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, almost killed um, I feel like they needed to explain that one a little bit. Oh, you don't even... September it might as well be 1990 in terms of their history. Mm. I will give them... It, listen, if this turns out to be the ultimate revenge plan and Stephanie becomes a babyface down the road and this was all a ploy to get Owens and Zayn, great. No but way. I have... Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh I had God. to try and say that with a straight face. Yeah, I also found it to be a pretty cheap cop-out for this firing angle that they've been working on. Your biggest stipulation at WrestleMania this year. And they didn't even miss a week. They've been on Raw each week. Well, if you've been watching wrestling long enough, you probably wouldn't have bought into it anyway. However, like, I feel like the Gargano-Champa match kind of proves that wrong, you know? All it takes is, like, you respecting that stipulation and taking these guys off of TV for like a good month or month and a half, sending them down to NXT or doing something creative with it. Instead, they've been on TV every single week since. Angle says he was surprised that Stephanie had time to write a letter after having her arm ripped out by Ronda. Welcomes Owens and Zayn to Raw. Again, Kurt just looking like an idiot here who got overruled. And he just got off the phone with Shane McMahon and... Daniel Bryan was adamant about getting the Miz onto SmackDown and announces that's where Miz is off to. Miz cuts a promo saying that he has just made SmackDown the show 
And the Miztrage is going to do the same thing they've done here on Raw when Angle corrects them, saying Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas are not going to SmackDown. They will stay here on Raw, where they are going to flounder and die. I worry about those two. Oh, they're done. Like, what are they going to possibly do? I guess they can join up with Owens and Zane, but man. They, they don't even have the cachet of being the goofball comedy tag team because no. the Brizongo's now here. Yeah, yeah. And like, these guys, good luck. I good know. Luck. I know. I, 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 am, I think they, they should be really concerned for the next round of cuts because they could be coming anytime soon. It's after WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, I hope not because I think individually they could both be very talented. But, man, what are they going to do with the two of them? Um, the Miz and Owens essentially like traded places for one year, right? Both of them moved last year. Am I correct? The Miz yep. did, uh, and Owens and Zayn. They only, both did. Only spent yep. like bo- all three of these guys have only spent a year at their current respective uh, brands. So I would say the two of them <laughs> almost kind of feel interchangeable, and and they both kind of feel like lateral moves for the other. Yeah, that that's the other thing is that when you go up and down this roster, it's like you go back to that draft in 2016, the the initial one they did. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's been on every show. The only it, difference being somebody like an AJ. You know, AJ is the exception. Braun, Brock, um, Roman. There are exceptions, definitely. But guys, I mean, guys like Owens and Zayn or, or, or The Miz might as well, you know, have a dual brand contract. So then we continue and Angle announces a 10-man tag for tonight with uh, The Miz, Taraj, Owens, and Zayn against Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, and a debuting star. Star. Did you see the 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 cutout of the mystery man that they would show yes. when they were teasing this? Mm-hmm. I don't think this dude could pass a test, whoever it was. <laughs> this guy was jacked to the gills. It looked like Sean O'Hare circa 2000. Oh my God! Like the veins coming through his arms. Yeah. It was like is this, Brian Cage. Is this the most indicative? Yeah, Brian Cage is coming in. Yeah. Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy did a promo. Bray had this darkness. Uh, he was in the dark. Matt was in the light. It was just like the Undertaker and Sean. Then the revival took on Matt Hardy and Bray with they're, a bar on commentary. They're now called the Deleter of Worlds. Is that what they called them? That's what I heard Cole say. Holy shit. <laughs> You're not buying that's, that shirt? Dude, that's that's awful by my standards. Cesaro says the match at WrestleMania should not have been sanctioned because there was a child involved, which in Louisiana is probably the case, and he doesn't want Nicholas to ever be mentioned again. Matt comes out to his music. The lights go out, and then Bray's music starts. And they walk out. Way too much thought went into this. They all laugh as Coach is bringing up. Like, he brought up here being a former tag champion. Did you catch this? Who? The coach? Coach Coachman, which I don't believe he is. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Partial, partially thought I misheard this, but that would have required rewinding to hear Coach's line again. And I was not willing to go to that depth for this review. The more important question is, John, what does the bar mean? Holy shit. The bo- I'll tell you what the bar means. The bar is an exceedingly low one that was set by Booker T that Coachman is not managing to clear. 
goodness. Like, coach just, like, spent hours, like, a long time trying to clarify what the bar means. And poor uh, Seamus or Cesaro or whoever trying to explain it. Seamus just ignored him. Yeah. Cesaro was, like, trying to at least do their catchphrase. And Cole was like, dude, they've been the bar for a fucking year. Like, watch the show. That's pretty much the answer to every coach question on this show. Uh, Bray did the spider walk. Uh, Not a person nor a spider in this entire arena reacted to this. And Cole just freaks out and yells how that would scare anybody. You're upside down. Mm -hmm. Like Blossom could do this. She did this in the opening. This is not a frightening maneuver that a human can do. it's, it's, It's a popular yoga pose. Wheel. Their new finisher is a combination. Uh, it's almost like a magic killer setup into a twist of fate that Bray and Matt hit, and they won the match. So they will face the bar at the Greatest Royal Rumble next week. Well, I like the team of Bray and Matt together. Uh, crowd, I think, at least reacts for their entrances. They weren't too reactive for this match itself, uh, and maybe, huh, maybe that's kind of, you know, my this audience was done by now, well, and I don't even blame them. I I found this show to be, yeah. I don't know. I, but, I, I understood them being checked out. But for me, I think the interest in, in the team kind of runs out at the start of the bell. I, I would say, you know, in ring, Matt's really kind of showing his limitations these days. Um, I really do look forward, though, to a lot of the, uh, you know, final deletion stuff, stuff on the compound that, they seem to be promising like Matt teased it on his Instagram with the photo with Jer- Jeremy Borash and saying that the, their next chapter will be documented. So I look forward to all that stuff. Uh, and I think if they do more of that stuff, they will be a team that will be very popular, uh, even more popular than they are now. Um, there the in ring though, isn't too, too interesting to me. What did you think of the dual brand pay-per-view commercial? I mean, I liked it. I thought it was eye-catching. Um, you know, I liked it. They ha- Do you want to describe it for everybody? So they took a bunch of performers, and they were all lip-syncing to this song that I assume was called Best of Both Worlds. And, I mean, I kind of found it amusing because I think three-quarters of the people featured in this uh, commercial promoting the dual-brand pay-per-views are the ones that are probably losing spots on these dual brand pay-per-views. <laughs> uh, very possible. Yeah. Sure. I mean, this was a well-produced spot. Like, mm-hmm. this was a significant um, undertaking. Yeah. Like, this was not just your run-of-the-mill, quick 30-second commercial. They they spent time on this. I, I thought it was well done, uh, well cut. And the announcement... Uh, do, do you like the handling of the announcement? This is something we've known has been coming for a long time. Uh, do you think fans will see this as a positive or a negative? The fact that, you know, they're essentially going to be one less pay-per-view every single month. Uh, but at the same time, it means you'll get to see all your favorite stars on each show. Do you want to redo the schedule that we discussed before the show of the, all the wrestling coming up? I can tell you what my reaction is to one less pay per view. Yeah, every month for sure. I don't. Think I'm. That, I, I don't think it'll, it'll make a difference at all. Like I think. I think a lot of fans will probably be happy. Oh, I. I'm willing to do that. That blossom move. I'm so excited. 
The bar is backstage. They go to mock how weird Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt look when they run into Breezango, who have come over from SmackDown. They run down the outfits Sheamus and Cesaro are wearing. They write them tickets, and then they tear up the tickets. I mean, really, like, I have to wonder what type of negotiator Kurt Angle is. And that page must be an excellent one because it, by this point, it feels like, like wh- whoever Page gets in return, she has to have made the better deal. Like it's like, oh, you want Brizongo? Go ahead. You want Gender? Please be my guest. Uh, Baron Corbin? Yeah, you win, Kurt. <laughs> you know, like we'll, I, we'll even produce a video package for him on his yeah. way out. Like what? What is Kurt Angle thinking here? Yeah, it's like if you're going to put so little thought into why these people are moving, you're not going to do any kind of rationale behind it. No negotiating segments like you might as well just stick to the old format of the random like wrestler generator. I mean, at least that there was some surprise element to it and it could explain why someone is going here. It's just it's random. You get X amount of picks. Like, these are largely just random picks of who's going here. It's like mm. 19 guys are going to Raw, and probably 15 are going to SmackDown. It's I, like I don't think pre- they're random. I think you'll you'll maybe start to see the equations tomorrow. Why is Brizongo on, on Raw? Because were they a coveted team that were needed? Why did Kurt Angle get Brizongo? Why did he need well, them? That's a good question. I, there was no explanation well, for it, he, so it's random. He needed more money in the salary cap for uh, Ronda and Brock. So he had to get rid of, you know, one of his more prized tag teams. Wait a minute. Last week, last week he said there was one spot remaining on Raw. Tonight, he added 19 people. So you're telling me he's going to be giving up 20 people tomorrow? He didn't. He added 19 tonight? He added 19 people, oh, wow. and, and I'm including Sunil. He's got to pay that man. Okay, true. Uh, well, you probably won't see 20 people on SmackDown tomorrow, um, but maybe you'll see some cuts. Maybe. Uh, they go over all the debuts from last week, which feel like 10 years ago, um, and then they name the, the draft picks that have been made tonight. They went over Ronda Rousey's attack on Stephanie from last week, and then Stephanie... Uh, is off tonight, and Rousey is backstage with Kurt Angle. And Rousey is saying there's no chance of uh, mending fences with Stephanie. Angle said that Ronda surprised a lot of people at WrestleMania. And then there's a knock on the door, and we have a pause, and in walks Natalia. And Ronda and Natalia stare at one another, and then they hug. Because they train together, Ronda explains. Kurt said, I didn't know that. And... Natalia campaigned hard to get on Raw. This same woman who stormed this brand last uh, fall in ahead of the Survivor Series, she campaigned hard now to get on to the show. And she's a babyface now. She's Ronda's friend. She's a babyface now, yeah, just like that. Um, I mean, something about it tells me that perhaps she is only a temporary babyface and that maybe Ronda's first program is actually with Natalia, which I'm all for. Uh, but for now, yeah, that's the story. Uh, breathe a, a, a slight new life into Natalia. Ember Moon versus Nikki James versus Mickey James. We had Nia Jax on commentary, and Alexa Bliss was supposed to join her on commentary, but didn't show up. 
and then explained from backstage that she had no interest being next to a bully, and she will have a rematch with Nia at Backlash. Uh, Mickey just attacked Ember's back. Moon did this forward flip into a clothesline in the corner, went to the top, hit the eclipse, and the Sheenom won at 4 minutes and 38 seconds. The Sheenom, yes. The Sheenom. Yeah. Well, uh, the crowd really didn't react too much to to Ember outside of the eclipse here. Um, maybe it just kind of shows you how unfamiliar uh, they seem to be. At the same time, though, they reacted big to Drew McIntyre, so maybe they just like like surprises. Um, anyway, I thought I, this was actually a match I was looking forward to. It was my first time, I think, seeing Ember and Mickey James together. However, the match really just kind of served to play background noise to uh, nigh on commentary. Yeah, it's it's very tough being a call-up the night after WrestleMania where you're one of many mm-hmm. last week with the call-ups and the returns. And then this week, as I mentioned, 19 people are brought on and you're trying to give focus to all these different people. And I think ultimately the call-ups this year and all these roster changes are going to be evaluated in six weeks and we'll see where everybody is. And sure. I think Ember, Ember Moon will have a like a notable spot in the women's division. So I feel she'll be fine. But... Mm-hmm. Um, there's also that development that I think you need to get this person across because this is still somebody that I, I think still you had to develop a bit more in NXT on the the personality side. Mm-hmm. Nigh on commentary here, though, um, I, I really enjoyed uh, Alexa. I thought like her calling Nia a bully is hilarious, and I think she does sarcasm really good. Uh, Nia, on the other hand, I found... You know, she's a lot more soft-spoken as a babyface, but here I almost found her to be too soft-spoken because I I almost sensed no presence from her on commentary here. Uh, So I hope that, you know, with the babyface turn, she hasn't lost her personality or her fire. Naya, you're not like most. I'm not like most. I'm not like most. Well, again, it tells you, like, hey, some people can really do well on the improvising, and some people are just, they're not given enough experience to improvise on commentary, and commentary often exposes those types. Owens and Zane are in the locker room. Zane is concerned about Braun Strowman and the 10-man, while Owens is worried about the mystery man. They have no time to prepare for this match. Miz comes in asking about Shane McMahon and wants to know what Shane's going to think about him. And they tell Miz to focus on this match tonight. And Miz talks down to Dallas and Axel like they are children, uh, foreshadowing for later tonight, and tells them to mourn tomorrow. Tonight is his farewell, and it's going to be must-see. Then, a giant record scratch. Literally and figuratively, Dolph Ziggler walks out. What a reaction way. No, <laughs> a I conquering know. hero that's come home. You have never seen a more deflated audience that did not care. What a job they have done on this man in the course of his career to, to get to this point where you get like the groan that he's back on Raw. <laughs> Just yeah. unbelievable. Like there it's it almost like it bears repeating now to people that are have started watching wrestling in the last three years that this dude used to be so popular once. I know, I know. Yeah. He, he just comes out and he just did his normal Dolph Ziggler promo where he just yelled at you. And he's interrupted by Titus Worldwide, who have come out 
and they offer him a spot to make him a multi-platform superstar and they can conquer the world together. And Ziggler says, I didn't come alone. And Drew McIntyre jumps them, lays out both men, hit a headbutt, and then threw Titus into the post. This, I will say, was the biggest reaction for any of the new faces on Raw on Monday night. They treated Drew McIntyre like he was a major superstar. Mm -hmm. I thought this guy got the biggest reaction of any of the Raw uh, add-ons. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Obviously, you know, he benefits from the element of surprise, but I think... Drew is also a guy who's had his reputation protected a lot over the past, uh, you know, however many years. He's always been a main event, main eventer wherever he's been, whether it's TNA or uh, Evolve or uh, NXT. So he kind of comes here feeling like a bigger star, whereas mm, Dolph Ziggler never left. And this Drew McIntyre would have been Dolph Ziggler if he never left. The guy that never reached his potential and was always viewed in that light by the audience. Instead, he left, reinvented himself, and has come back a a new person. He's returned as a completely different performer. Seeing Dolph Ziggler on Raw is nothing new. Like that visual of seeing Dolph in in that ring with those red ropes. I mean, I feel so used to that. That it it he might as well have been on Raw this entire two years, but Drew McIntyre feels fresh. You know, it's been a long time since I've seen him in a Raw ring, so I think that had so you know he had that going for him. We'll see what his reaction is like next week, though, because I think that's that'll be your your truer test of of what it's like uh, when you get rid of the surprise pop. I like Ziggler and Drew together. I think they have potential. I, I kind of like them in like a Sean and Diesel kind of way with, with Drew playing kind of the more silent big man and Ziggler kind of being the more uh, obnoxious, you know, uh, faster, high-flying guy. Um, so I look forward to seeing what they can come up with as a team. I'm giving Dolph one more chance, okay? They hooked me in for one more ride, and we'll see how that goes. The bigger thing, though, John. I know what you're going to say. Gender, Heath. Andrew McIntyre are back, back on together. the same show. Forget the shield. You've got the real reunion now oh, on Raw. Geez. I think Elias has a backup band. Oh, boy. Yeah, well. That's the real hey, money. Yeah. Roman Reigns comes out in street clothes. Some fan went to the extreme of writing out a sign, call the IRS, Reigns hasn't filed his taxes, right in the front row. Roman sucks chant. He says, what, what, once sorry, again. What, what's that joke? I don't know. He was just trying to call out attention. It's it's uh, the deadline for your taxes is this week. Mm. So he's just alerting. Maybe there's an IRS watching at home that is going to audit this guy. He hates Roman Reigns so much. He just wants to see this guy get audited. Isn't the IRS working backstage? Um, yeah, he could. He probably was. Uh, he says that once again, he's here and Brock Lesnar isn't. The next match is not going to go the same way. Because they're in a steel cage, and then he will be their full-time universal champion. So quite the about uh, face from last week, where he was furious that he was getting this title match. Did everyone come to their senses? Maybe they were in just WrestleMania delirium last week, and that promo made it onto their television? That just made no sense. Reigns is interrupted by Samoa Joe. He says that Reigns never brags about getting the job done because he hasn't and will never get it done. 
Lesnar's beating him every time, and Reigns is too stupid to realize his place here. He gets beat over and over, and he's not going to learn until someone puts him down for good. He's going to be waiting at Backlash after Lesnar massacres him to put the big dog to sleep for good. And then Samoa Joe spent the last week cutting together a video package to emphasize his promo. <laughs> yeah, he dug up all the Brock Lesnar footage he could find, imported it into Adobe Premiere, and just went to town. Yeah, put in some, some nice After Effects. It was beautiful. Samoa Joe, the editor. This was weird. Why would Joe come out here <laughs> to introduce a video clip of Brock Lesnar beating up Roman Reigns? <laughs> what the just, hell? It's like it, you're just so used to these kinds of segments where you throw to a uh, throw to a video clip that if you actually play it out as someone that's never watched this before and you're thinking about this crazy character that has gone to the trouble of having a video presentation, it's ridiculous. It's it is ridiculous. Could you imagine Brock Lesnar doing this? Brock comes out, throws to a video segment of, I don't know. No, Paul, my words aren't enough. But but not even a video segment of him doing the work. <laughs> like, he's here to promote somebody else. Yeah. What, what, like, why would Samojo do this? Well. It makes him look like shit. Reigns challenged Joe's lazy fat ass to come to the ring. Joe teased walking to the ramp, turned around, then came back again, teased it again, and stopped. Um, I really liked the segment up until the video feature. I thought Joe's segment, was, uh, his promo was great, and yeah. that was all we needed. I just want Joe promos every week until Backlash, and, and that was all we needed. It was certainly a highlight of last week, and I, I agree with you. It was something I was looking forward to here as well, but I, I thought that him uh, pro- essentially promoting Brock Lesnar was sort of a weird blemish. Uh, I mean, it doesn't ruin it at all. I think he'll... I, I mean, I look forward to the match. I think I look forward to the program. Joe versus Joe is usually pretty good. Uh, however, I think my dreams of seeing Joe on SmackDown seem to be diminishing. Yeah, I think that these two are staying put. Um, then we have Mandy Rose against Natalia, And... Natalia attacks her on top, takes her to the floor and gets distracted by DeVille and takes a flying knee from Mandy. She comes back. Rose ducks a discus clothesline and Natalia blocked a knee, applied the sharpshooter, tapped her out in 249. Sonia then jumps Natalia and Corey Graves brings up Sonia's MMA background. I wonder why he was doing that. And this cued Ronda Rousey, 11, came storming out from the back with her death march and tended to Natalia. DeVille stands up to her, and Ronda just starts throwing punches at her and takes her down with this brutal leg sweep. And It was almost like, a, like an STO. Yeah, like a, like a shoot STO, like mm-hmm. not a cooperative one. Yeah. And Absolution leave, and I mean, this I thought, I thought we were getting Natalia instantly aligning with DeVille and Mandy to just take the spot of Paige, which... As you alluded to earlier, I could see that being where things end up with Natalia. Yeah, down the road. Uh, I, I, I thought this was fun. I thought this was like a good first segment. Uh, first of all, a strong one for Natalia, giving her a bit more of a, a push as, a, as an aggressive baby face here. Uh, and then Sonya versus Ronda, I thought was really cool. I mean, essentially, you have like, you have the knockoff MMA fighter against the real deal. And as much as I think, you know, MMA pundits might make fun of Ronda striking against Sonya Deville, 
like like she might might as well have been Bulacow. Like she looks she looked awesome here, you know? Um like Ron the look Rhonda gives to Sonia was like, Are you serious? Uh she nails her facials, I think, all the time. She she was just great here. She looked like a real badass. I thought it was good treatment. I never want to see Rhonda throwing like a worked like overhand punch. I don't want to see her do any other kind of striking like punch wise than this. Yeah. Like, she, sure. like all her offense is tailored for her. It's not it's not pro wrestling oh, yeah. striking. No. And she's I not that's, she's that's not a part. She's not Jerry the King Lawler. She shouldn't be punching like Jerry Lawler. Yeah. She she's not like most. What? The Nia Jax. Oh. Line. Then <laughs> I fast forwarded and had to go back because I missed the announcement that Baron Corbin is coming to Raw. Oh yeah, did I really miss it? Uh, very, very nice of SmackDown to lend footage here to promote his leaving. Hmm. Could you imagine that? Like, if th- if these were two warring companies, and hey, we're going to give you footage to promote his his arrival. Um, you think you and I got that? Well, they're not warring companies. You know, yeah, they promote they each other. November, they were literally warring companies in November. I mean, again, I was very critical of that show. Oh, everybody was like, "Oh, just enjoy it." They're trying, they hate each other. You, they're fighting. You and I got you and I brought all this up after that first invasion last November, mm-hmm. and we brought up the fact that come the superstar shakeup, no one gives a shit about this being a war anymore. Everyone's happy faces that they're on each show. And what were we told? Oh, you're so negative. Just uh. well, here we are. Yeah. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but toot oh. fucking toot. <laughs> Salty tonight, why? I just, I didn't enjoy this show. Baron Corbin's on Raw, folks. Brizongo comes out. <laughs> Fuck. Coachman. Coachman is not that familiar with these two. He asks Cole and Graves for some background on them. Fuck's sake. Why? Uh, yeah. Why? I really hope that they switch up the announcing. I I can't stand these three. Oh, anymore. you want you want Coachman on SmackDown? I uh, anyone on? I I just don't want these three together. These three are the fucking Bermuda Triangle of fucking torture for my brain. I mean, I'm getting, I, I'm getting like a thunderclap headache from these three. I I totally prefer Percy if they're gonna bring anybody up. I, a, a million thousand percent, I prefer Percy yeah. over Jonathan Coachman. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, to, uh, just awful these three it's just it's like you you put i don't even know i don't know if, what's the worst analogy i can come uh, up with cheese whiz and um jam yeah but instead of it tasting bad you die wow the bar took on brizongo speaking of dead that was the crowd in this match cesaro pressed tyler in the air and hit him with an uppercut uh Fandango yanked Sheamus off of the apron, so Breeze caught Cesaro, who was distracted with a sunset flip, and pinned him for the upset. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like, I, I, I think um, any time you bring somebody new to a show, you definitely should give them a win. This was fine booking. Um, but in the end, like, it's a real tough ask for somebody like me who just sat through eight hours of WrestleMania to watch the bar versus Brizongo in your third hour of Raw. I disagree uh, on this being good booking, not when this is the team that's going for your tag titles next week. Well, I mean, I, I think you'll they'll get a title shot afterwards. If the bar wins. Isn't that logical? 
I don't think the bar is winning, though. Who are they facing again? Hardy and Bray. We don't know that, that they won't win. Well, I don't know. They're not a very hot team to begin with. So, I mean, in theory, like, you're setting up Brizongo as your big challengers. I mean, yeah. that tells me the state of our division here. Um, so, Elias is backstage, refers to Renee as Rachel, and he isn't playing tonight. He's not doing small time anymore, and Hartford is a rinky-dink town, which did not prevent this man from aligning all his travel to come to this city. I don't know for what. He says Lashley doesn't deserve to be in the same arena or ring as him, and if Lashley interrupts him again, he will learn that WWE stands for Walk with Elias. And then he offered Renee a private performance, and... Then Renee just cuts him off saying, we really don't have time for this and throws back to Michael Cole. And Corey Graves says that that just creeped him out. Um, was he saying it in relation to that or something? No. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Elias is playing like a, like a sexual harasser. Who plays music forces hit you to listen to his music. (laughs) <laughs> I don't what know. a gimmick next week Roz in St. Louis Brock Lesnar will be on the show and then when that takes us to our main event 10 man tag The Miz, Axel, Dallas, Owen, Zane against Seth Rollins, Finn Balor Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley and the big reveal Bobby Roode mm-hmm. yawn I think I mean I, I the song gets a big reaction um <sighs> But the the man, I would say, you know, for a segment like this that's supposed to cap off with, like, a big reveal, uh, I thought this was a bit of a letdown, especially for the people who are waiting for Rusev. And, haha, sorry, you're not getting that. Uh, But, man, Bobby Roode, we're talking about a guy who's in the United States championship match. Um, Anyway, sorry. And and lost. Hmm. The crowd was so entrenched with the latest acquisition that they began chanting, we want Strowman. The heels isolated Balor in their corner. They went through one commercial. They went through two commercials. Uh, Lashley got a hot tag at one point, got a bit of offense in on Sami Zayn. Then they got the heat forever on Rollins. Miz tagged in, did his his, uh, it kicks. Then Rude came in, glorious DDT. Axel stopped that, hit a blockbuster. Then he clotheslines Miz. The crowd still wants Braun. They explode when he gets tagged in. He chases after Miz on the floor, tosses him into a barricade, then a choke slam in the ring, and then runs shoulder first into the post, missing Axel and Dallas. And then we went through a sequence of moves. There was a glorious DDT to Zayn. Owens super kicked Rude. Lashley hit a spine buster to Owens. And then Miz sent Lashley to the floor and was alone with Braun. He goes to tag out, but Axel and Dallas hop off the apron and leave Miz for dead as he takes the running power slam. Braun pins the Miz, and Michael Cole says, I give Kurt Angle an A-plus for the superstar shakeup. Yes, of course you do. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think mm, I found the show quite disappointing. I mean, really, you're only throwing mid-carters around. Uh, I don't think any of the moves... I'm including, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who I like a lot. Oh, but I didn't, I didn't think it mattered at all. Any of the moves, like none of the combinations, really inspire anything new and fresh that I'm looking forward to. You know, ideally, I think with with shows like this, you want, uh, 
the potential for dream matches that you can picture down the line. And uh, with any of the additions on this show, I got none of that. We're talking Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Brizongo. Okay, Owens and Zayn, sure, but I, I just saw them on Raw. Um, who, who, what am I looking at? Bobby Roode, uh, Natalia, Riot Squad. I mean... I, oh, I, wait, wait. There were also some on WWE.com that we oh, didn't... Oh, okay. Uh, let's, let's hear it. So reserve judgment here before you totally just pan this thing, okay? Sure, sure, sure. In addition to some of those names, they have also acquired Mojo Raleigh, okay. Zack Ryder, okay. Mike Kanellis. I didn't even know he was on SmackDown. <laughs> I won't lie, I didn't either. The Ascension, and this poor guy, Chad Gable. Oh, they're, bro- they're breaking up uh, Benjamin. I guess so. Gable? Shelton Benjamin is not being put on Raw. I kind of like Gable being on on Raw. Um, oh my God, as a solo though, as a single oh, I, star, maybe the DNA test is going to come back for Jason Jordan. It's going to turn out, man. They got it switched, or maybe Jason Jordan will t- team with them again, right? Uh, uh, th- it's also very possible. Like you have Jason Jordan and Big Cast that are scheduled to come back. Either one of those could end up on SmackDown as well. True. Yeah. Yeah. We so maybe actually- you're. Maybe Jordan's leaving. Well, I could just say, like, whatever <laughs> SmackDown has in the works, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that they probably got the better end of this deal. Uh, now watch it. It's going to be like Titus Worldwide comes to SmackDown. Well, that's it. It's, Jeez. Like, you know, none of the, the main, main guys are moving over. And I would say, like, 90% of the roster, like, you move them over. Like, there was a time when you would do these drafts, and... You instantly had all these fresh ideas, these fresh angles, because no one's been around this this roster. And you're starting with all this big buzz and then hoping to sustain it. Whereas tonight felt like these guys were cold moving over. Mm-hmm. So you've got to now the challenge is to get them over and and get them into a position where they're more meaningful on this show, which to me is a much harder road. And maybe in six months, we're going to look at a number of these moves as being very prosperous for, for raw and for a number of these performers involved. Um, but today after this draft, I just felt it was just a real indictment of how not over this brand split is. It doesn't mean anything to switch shows. It doesn't I'm, feel important. I've seen people on raw and SmackDown all the time. It's not special. No, I, I, I don't know, but like, I don't necessarily agree because I think it depends on the level of talent that you're moving over. Like an Asuka moving over to SmackDown will be a big deal. Also, even somebody like a Becky Lynch moving over to Raw is a relatively big deal, bigger deal than maybe what we got. Um, you know, I, I would just say like Randy Orton moving on. Okay, maybe not Randy Orton moving to Raw. Um, but I the, thought he, I thought he was going to move to Raw. I thought he was. They they would move him from SmackDown after yeah. getting out of that U.S. title picture. But I mean, like, I think, you know, for, for the amount of star power when they had to look at the beginning of the, this episode of Raw, who do we have here to really get this crowd excited? If you're giving me that list, I would say you have a pretty lame duck show and a show that I think a lot of people watching going into it will leave quite disappointed. Um, so well, th- this is also the say. show that they have their top stars and they weren't going to be yeah. moving them. So why are you going to pluck someone of significance on SmackDown? But, like, but I why s- not? But why not change up your top stars? 
I, I just don't think they they want to take them off what is a the the more viewed show. And let's be honest, there's a potential that this could be a show that ends up going to Fox. True. And and you want to load it up with your stars on this show if that's potential. Now, granted, they signed this Fox deal; they can do whatever they want. They can yeah. move everyone over yeah. at that point and just nullify the brand split. But, but I I feel that they they want like Raw is their they're a show. They're not moving Roman Reigns off this show. They're not moving Strowman off this show. It's just they're not moving Lesnar. They're not moving Ronda Rousey. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Yes, I see. I understand that. Uh, but I still feel like there's like, you know, that level below them with guys like a Samoa Joe, guys like a Finn Balor. Um, you know, I'm sure there are a number of other people kind of in that tier. Uh, but we shall see. I mean, the yeah, those- we know they could move. Those are ones, but but I was I was thinking more the other way around. You know, you have your SmackDown guys who any any of whom could go to Raw and I think freshen up that main event scene. Uh, I don't get the sense that we're going to get that for the next year. Well, I mean, you look at somebody like a like a Shinsuke Nakamura, for instance. Like, is he he go, goes over to Raw? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's in as prominent a position. He's probably better served on SmackDown. I think almost everybody is better served on SmackDown. But that's not really the point. The point is to freshen things up on Raw. And what are, what exactly are you getting here? I'll say a guy even like Lashley on this show. I think, you know, he didn't seem like that big of a deal, especially being in the same ring as Braun. No. Who makes him look smaller, makes his power moves. No, it's a great point. Don't, not like Braun was the star of that match, and you really didn't accentuate anything about Bobby Lashley. He yeah. felt like just another piece of that match. So it feels like they they've, they've acquired themselves... A huge pool for whatever I see United States Championship t- tier uh, that the that that they have going on on the show, but I I'm looking for things in the main event scene and and I feel like I got none of those moves on this show. All right, we're gonna go over to the forum at forum.postwrestling.com tonight's show scale of one to ten. I'm curious to see this one. What would you give this show? Mm. I mean, again, I'm going to this show with a lot of expectations. Not huge expectations, but some expectations. So I was disappointed. I'm going to give this show maybe 5.6. I'm going 3. 5.56. Oh, there you go. You're a man of the people. And I'm a cynic. Chris from Melbourne, if you were asking me to sum up the superstar shakeup in a few words, it would be pointless mid-carder trades. Honestly, I only considered Drew McIntyre a major shock, but then they put him with the kiss of death that is Dolph Ziggler. Only Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are major stars, but they couldn't even keep him off TV for a week. After a major firing angle on WrestleMania, major highlight of the night was as Finn Balor was making his entrance, Corey Graves yelling, Bullet Club is for everyone. Yes, he did say that. And then he was corrected. We go to Sean from Toronto. I sort of felt that WWE was trolling us by sending people like Jinder Mahal and Baron Corbin to Raw. In fact, probably the only meaningful shakeup for me was Bobby Roode, unless you count NXT call-up Drew McIntyre. I also suspe- suspect that Jeff Hardy is winning the U.S. title. S- suspect that Jeff Hardy winning the U.S. title was a setup to him leaving with the title back to SmackDown, since I doubt Rollins and the IC title are going anywhere. I mean, I don't rule out Rollins going, and I think tomorrow you will see at least someone notable go to SmackDown. I think that they have people that they could um, get rid of on Raw to beef up SmackDown a bit, but I see the more likely play being Jeff Hardy to SmackDown. Yeah, I think he'd be a good big move, relatively. Like, look at that 10-man tag. I mean, that's kind of, you're seeing who your top baby faces are, and that didn't even include Roman Reigns. So when you throw in Jeff Hardy, I mean, it's it's way more advantageous 
for him to be on SmackDown. Brandon from Oshawa. If it wasn't official before it is now, Kurt Angle is the worst GM in history. If Raw were a sports franchise and Kurt Angle is making deals, it would look like they are trying to tank the season. (laughs) SmackDown hasn't even happened yet, and already Raw is getting fleeced. You can't even count Raw getting Owens and Zayn since they weren't SmackDown stars anymore. SmackDown's already getting The Miz and presumably either Rollins or Jeff Hardy. That is already a better haul than anyone Raw got. I'm slightly intrigued with the pairing of McIntyre and Ziggler, even though it makes very little sense. Why would McIntyre want to come up to the main roster just to team with someone who's pretty much a jobber at this point? Maybe it will light a fire under Ziggler. This was a poor show, and Stephanie might as well consider bringing back Mike Adamley to replace Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. We got a Jalen from Pickering. Commentary was dreadful tonight, but at least yes. Corey gave us the Bullet Club flub. I'm surprised and disappointed that they didn't move any of the top-tier women and tag teams over. On a positive note, the most promising move is McIntyre, especially as a heel. I just hope that he doesn't get sucked into the black hole of mediocrity. That That is Dolph Ziggler. Question, should the shakeup occur after the pay-per-view that follows Mania? Would it allow them to tie up loose ends and actually move more main inventors? I think this is a bad time of the year to do it. I understand WrestleMania is supposedly your your final chapter on the year, and then you're starting off fresh for the next year ahead. But that that typically doesn't really happen. We see so much bleed over from what happened at WrestleMania that programs continue. There's a lot of programs that are still going on post-WrestleMania. For me, I would save this for after SummerSlam, right before football season starts, and you freshen up the rosters, and you shoot a big angle, at least on one of the shows, and you have all these feuds going into the fall to, uh, to captivate people at a time when interest is down in terms of viewership. That's when I would put it. At its its own time in the year that you can build up to and you do the draft on the last Monday before Monday Night Football comes back to do a really big number and hopefully have some interest going into the fall. I I would actually love for them to do it after Backlash. I think ideally you want them to... WrestleMania should really culminate all of your year-long storylines. That's ideal, right? Uh, and then they love to do the re- rematches. So as soon as you're done the rematches, I think the next day you go ahead and shake up your rosters. This was sort of an unfortunate timing for this one because you have you have two pay-per-views that you're in the middle of promoting that you have to kind of book around. Mm. So we'll see if they adjust. Let's go to Omri from Israel. An above-average show. I feel like after the first day of the shakeup, SmackDown is winning big time. The most ridiculous thing that happened on the show was re-debuting Drew McIntyre as a heel with Ziggler. What the hell were they thinking? Question, what do you think is more likely? Jeff Hardy and Rollins come into SmackDown, or Randy Orton and The Miz win one of the respective championships to bring it to SmackDown? Overall, it was a nice show, and I can't wait to see Finn and the revival on SmackDown to make it the greatest roster in history. Seven bobbies in one roster out of ten. Uh, Randy Orton or The Miz winning one of the championships. Uh, I see the U.S. title going going back to SmackDown. I think I think it ultimately comes down to because yeah, your your champions right now are are Jeff Hardy and Seth and Seth. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you'll have I think you'll have those two split. Um, okay, we go to MJ, who says, maybe it's just me, but the wrestlers on the main roster just feel like guys and girls. They don't feel special. They hardly feel like characters. They just exist. That's how I felt when Jeff Hardy won the U.S. title. That's how I felt when Dolph came out. 
and that's how I felt when Rude was the surprise. Contrast that to McIntyre, who I was genuinely happy to see because I followed him in NXT. I feel connected to the journey of NXT characters, and I feel they are all important as there are limited spots on that show. But as with Rude tonight, once on the main roster, they just become part of the crowd, and it's getting stale, even one week post-WrestleMania. Jay from Colorado, I enjoyed tonight's show. I feel there were some good moves for the most part, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. I think my favorite thing to come out of tonight was the realization we don't have to sit through another round of Ginger Mahal versus Randy Orton. Praise the gods. I also, I also laughed heartily at Corey's mistaken Bullet Club name drop. Any idea what's going on with Rusev? He was booked for the casket match with Taker in Saudi Arabia, then replaced by Jericho. Now he's back in. Yeah, it's just them flipping around plants constantly. It looks kind of silly. Hmm. Yeah. I I don't know what what else to really kind of look into. Like he's obviously still with the company. I don't buy into any of these rumors that no. he's asking to leave. Um, I think that yeah, there's where else is he gonna go? You know, he's not going to New Japan. Like I don't think he wants to. Lana's not going to New Japan. He's going where his wife's going, and his wife, I think, uh, the best place for her is a part of the WWE. I think the best place for him is, is the WWE. I, I do really feel like more and more like they're trying to build this Daniel Bryan, you know, sympathetic piss off the smart marks type of booking with this guy. And for whatever reason, this was part of it. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, but I guess it gets people talking if you want to look at the silver lining. Uh, well, yeah. We go to Evil, who says, So all the mid-card U.S. title contenders from SmackDown with boring characters are all on Raw now. Without seeing who else besides The Miz went to SmackDown, I can definitely say Raw lost out on that deal. I'm still invested in Bailey and Sasha, but if they have another confused tag team match against the Riot Squad next week, I'm going to start losing hope. Okay, let's, uh, let's go down here to Dennis. Hey guys, this is the first live Raw I've been to and I had a great time. The crowd felt hot from my area for most of the show, besides a few of the matches. Opening the show on the title win was a great start to the show and a huge surprise. I thought the segment with KO, Sammy, and The Miz was really fun. It was sad to see The Miz trash split up as I enjoyed the group. Samoa Joe definitely felt like the biggest star on the show. I don't know how you would do the build with Roman, but I still hold out hope for him going to SmackDown as the top heel. I like some of the switches they've done and I'm excited to see who pops up tomorrow. I give the show an 8 out of 10. We got a Kyle who says, uh, he says, um, as for Raw, it seems no good deed goes unpunished as Jeff Hardy captured the U.S. title fresh off of his DUI arrest. Maybe he made a plea deal to reduce his charges if he saves us from another Mahal. Okay. All right. Uh, I really enjoyed Drew McIntyre's debut and maybe he can help Dolph revitalize his career. The pairing reminded me of HBK and Diesel. Coachman is so bad that I actually appreciate Byron Saxton. At least Booker was comically bad. Uh, overall enjoyable show and interesting shakeup. I think everyone thinks it's obvious that Rollins goes to SmackDown, but I actually think Jeff Hardy will switch brands. As for the other predictions, I'm going to guess Balor, Gallows, and Anderson, Mandy Rose, and Goldust. Do you have any predictions, Way, of any, if you could pick three people on Raw? Dude, after, gonna... after seeing this show, I have no <laughs> possible answer. Like, do you have, ni- <sighs> do you have 19 picks? <laughs> How many were there today? Because uh, including 19. all the dot com, I uh, I'm pretty sure the the grand total was uh was 19. Altogether. Okay, let's see. Well, uh, I'm gonna say uh, as as far as bold predictions go, I think you will see the uh, the Colognes 
Oh wait, they're a SmackDown, aren't they? Yes. Uh, Titus you... World Titus Worldwide has to move. I think Dana oh, no. is due for a big program on SmackDown. Uh, I think uh, you might also see um, uh, um, j- j- uh, I predict my I predict Mike Canales goes back to SmackDown. Sure, why not? Okay, uh, we your turn. By the way, if you include Sunil and Drew McIntyre, twenty people are now on Raw that were not before. Mm. Uh, Lewis from Long Beach. It looks like the superstar shakeup brought a lot of mediocre talent to Monday Night Raw. The only person that made their way onto Raw that I'm interested in is Drew McIntyre. And for some reason, he's paired with Dolph Ziggler. Though I have to say that combination zigzag Claymore kick looked awesome. The one newcomer who I hope they do something with is Chad Gable. He has a main... He, he has main event talent, and while he's not there on the mic, I really feel like when you look at his matches with Rusev or AJ Styles from SmackDown, he could one day be a main event player, perhaps a program with a returning Jason Jordan. Ultimately, a fairly boring episode of Raw. Finally, we got to Anthony, who says, I don't want The Miz and Bryant to fight, let alone touch, until SummerSlam. I don't care how they do it. Separate them with feuds of their own till then. Put a weird no-physical-contact f- clause. Something. I just don't want them to fight on a regular episode of SmackDown. I've been waiting three years for this. Three years in the making. I'll pay ten network subscriptions if I could. <laughs> Perhaps the biggest move, honestly, coming out of this show is the fact that Dan- that The Miz is going to, to SmackDown to have that match with Daniel Bryan. Do they have it Tuesday night? <laughs> I only say that half-jokingly. Yeah. Yeah. Possible. If not, definitely by the end of the two months. I don't think they should hold off till SummerSlam for that. I don't know. Why not? Uh, that's August, dude. So? Yeah, I, I think, think it's a SummerSlam caliber match. That's only, what, uh, four months? I I don't know. I, th- I think that's way too long for a what? match. I, I, I dude, think I, so. I think Miz is like a, like a setup match for Daniel Bryan to be doing a, a lot more stuff than just that. Um, mm, I mean, I'm trying f- to think what the money match is for Brian, and I think I think that's one of the biggest ones, if not the biggest one. Well, I think it's I think it's imperative that they inject some notable people because if AJ and Nakamura are tied together, I think that you have to have some other top end guys, um, which SmackDown is somewhat lacking. Mm. Um, and I, I could see Brian doing a program with Miz and then segueing off to somebody else. But he's going to have to be in that main mix by... I can see him being in that main mix by SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks for getting through the Superstar Shake-Up night one. Um, night two will probably be better. Um, this was a long show. And this was... Uh, that's it. Yeah. Any, any closing words? Any words of advice, Way? What are you, um, you going to do on Tuesday before SmackDown? I'm going to drink, Ru- drink a coffee for sure. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all I recommend. Now uh, we should re- we should remind Canadians uh, because of the NHL playoffs, oh, SmackDown yes. is not airing on TV on Tuesday night, so you have to watch it on Sportsnet Now, which is their online app, or go to alternative means to watch SmackDown. So don't tune in at eight o'clock; you will be disappointed. Uh, although maybe hockey is going to be more exciting than the Superstar Shakeup. So anyway, if you're in Canada, that affects you. If you're anywhere else but Canada. Doesn't matter. So don't worry about that. 
Postwrestling.com is where you can go. We'll be back Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown. And do yourself a favor. Check out our post-roundtable edition from Sunday night with Conrad Thompson, who was not featured in the WWE Network promo, but will be on the WWE Network on Wednesday. Uh, He chats with myself and Way about all of his various podcasts, and we kind of go behind the the entire world of wrestling podcasts, what's worked for us, what hasn't worked. And we have gotten so much positive feedback to that show. So it's been, a, I guess, a popular one way. Yeah. And if you're uh, just checking us out for the first time, uh, thank you. I apologize. We we didn't have a more positive uh, opinion of, of Raw or a more positive Raw to be able to talk about on this show. Um, but uh, hope you enjoy the rest of our content if you really like it. Consider signing us, uh, signing up for the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon. If not, leave us a nice review on uh, iTunes or share our shows. We greatly appreciate all those things. Did you like how I pinned our photo of our pin on Twitter? Oh, I didn't notice. I was waiting for you to notice that. You, oh. can, unpin, you can unpin it now. I only did that for your amusement. Um, no, I'll, I'll let you do that. I'm okay with it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Good night, everybody. We'll chat with you tomorrow.